Welcome to the 7th Art Podcast. My name is Christopher Heron and I'm the host of the 7th Art. It's a video magazine about cinema and this is our podcast. I'm joined here with Brian Robertson, one of the producers of the 7th Art. Hello, Brian. Hi, Chris. We, we have a good interview with two of my favorite contemporary filmmakers. They're Portuguese filmmakers, Jean-Pedro Rodriguez and Jean-Rui Guerra de Mata. Right. And during TIFF 2012, we were super lucky to sit down with them to uh, discuss a film that they were presenting, that they co-directed, called The Last Time I Saw Macau, right. um, which was absolutely one of my favorite films in 2012. Mm-hmm. And um, they haven't made a film that I haven't liked, so, I mean, take take that with a grain of salt, right. I guess, but um, it was a thrill for me, and... Uh, they're uh, uh, just just to Jean Pedro Rodriguez is he made a whole bunch of films before he started working with uh, no 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 they've always collaborated uh, Jean Rui Guerra de Mata has, has collaborated on all of the films but you you make a good point that they don't always share a co-direct that's right so um, this like uh, they've always worked together yeah yeah wow um, so uh, China China and Red Dawn would have been their two uh, films prior to that that they share a, a directing credit mm-hmm. but um, um, Jean-Rui Guerra de Mata has been involved heavily in, in some of the films that uh, that helped break Jean-Pedro Rodriguez in, in a more of a art direction yeah and I, I believe I believe beyond that I mean I don't have the credits in front of me but I, I think that there may have been some collaboration on, on the script level as well and um I think I think that the collaboration goes deeper than any particular title. For sure. And we were lucky in Toronto a few years ago to have an actual retrospective of their work at a, a TIFF Ballet Box, not that long before uh, the festival. That was where I was able to see all of these films, mm-hmm. and uh, they are incredible. To Die Like a Man in 2009 is probably the the, kind of the breakthrough for Jean-Pedro Rodriguez. Highly recommend all of them, especially Macau. Macau is my my right. favorite of all of the of the films, and. Uh, I remember seeing it at the festival. Uh, Jonathan Rosenbaum was sitting in the uh, the row I was in, and he had a audibly positive reaction to the film. We actually met the two directors the, at a party yeah, uh, before, before. Yeah. yeah, the night before we um, it was a party for uh, our friends in MDFF yeah. for their uh, their screening of Tower, which debuted uh, well premiered at Locarno and it played in in Canada for the first time at a TIFF that year, and. Uh, they're very, very nice people. Um, and the interview is probably marks my favorite beginning of, of any of our interviews. Edi- editing this interview was maybe the most charmed I've ever been with any of our interview guests. I mean, yeah. at the time, truth be told, I was frustrated because we had a hard end to the interview. Like, we had to be out of this space at a specific time. Right. And they were willing to talk with us, too. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, is that I really love these films, and I really wanted to go in-depth yeah. for each. But it's the type of interview where we had a lot of fun at the beginning talking about, you know, nothing necessarily specific to their films. They did actually a really great job of of offering a look into the Portuguese film, uh, I don't want to say scene or industry, because it's a little bit of the industry. It's a little bit of their own experience uh, within the nation that kind of paints a picture of where their collaboration started, some of the, the things that inform it, and that that uh, transitions into a discussion of their films kind of in a chronological order Mm -hmm. I mean I think that some of them get a short shrift because we we jump to talk a bit about last time I saw Macau Mm -hmm. Um, so we don't talk as much about say two drifters or to die like a man or or, yeah I think those two kind of get left out a bit Um, but it was a lot of fun yeah like I was laughing editing it Um, it's just very <laughs> they have a they have a little, they have like a shtick going on it's yeah it's, it, it it's is funny. it's a it's a great re- uh, relationship between the yeah. two of them and it's it's brilliant to be able to kind of capture that i think i just laid back for most of the interview smiling for sure uh, i don't think that i'm overly in, injected into it um and i think that adds a quality to the uh, the interview and i i hope you guys enjoy it I'll also say that I think that uh, they probably were the best dressed, the two best dressed. Oh, no everybody. question. Yeah. No question. For sure. Uh, anyways, this is um, the Jounce. Enjoy.
to discuss your, your working relationship um, both prior to the films you've collaborated on as directors mm -hmm. and then move into those. Yeah, sure. You start. I start? No, you start. Oh, you start? No, you, you start. It's a super director. So you start. I see you, sir. Um, it's it's very simple. So we um, usually Jean Rui works. No, first thing I can start. Yeah. 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 Oh, good. Yeah. Um, So the first thing we did together, me and Jean-Rui Guerra da Mata, was what did we did together? We worked in a, uh, we did the costumes for a film. Yes, that's what we did. Yeah, for a friend yeah. of us. And, uh, and I think, I guess that's when Jean-Rui started Think that you could do yeah okay so basically I did not do film school uh, my background is graphic design and so Joao um, this good friend of ours um, um, he asked Joao to be like his uh, to like uh, to costume it's not costume design really it's, it's more like costumes for a film yeah for a film and I had just just met Joao, and um, and uh, he asked me to be like his assistant, right? And so yeah, so that was like the first time I ever worked in a film, I suppose. And yeah, I got interested in doing it, but and I started thinking about like um, about just doing like decoration on the film and um, costumes separately didn't, didn't really make sense. So I decided to start thinking about things as, you know, art direction, production designing and having like an art department. Although of course in Portugal an art department is basically <laughs> two people, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's it. And. Um and then I made my first short uh, in 1997 and I was looking for actors for that short for a long time and um, suddenly I realized that uh, the actor should be him and so which was pretty weird <laughs> yes it was weird and it was never acted but my idea of doing, I never, when I started making films, I didn't want to work with actors. Because I, I don't know, I could say that I don't like actors or I, I didn't like actors. Um, and uh, perhaps I've changed a little bit and I don't think it's as, at that time I really thought I didn't like actors. It was like a, I very, was very influenced by Bresson, mm. and uh, so that was my thing. I didn't like actors, so I didn't want to. F I didn't even look into actors for the characters of my f of my films. I was just looking for people in the streets or whatever. And I, and I was I was like the casting manager for for Jean-Pierre's short film, so I was basically scouting people on the streets, clubs, wherever, for um, an aspect to come for auditions. Casting manager seems a very yes, but <laughs> pompous word because we were just like three people doing the film or four people. So. Oh, but that's what I was doing actually. Yes, but so I always like this idea of do several, the same people doing several jobs in a film. and. Um, and that's why, so, I had to convince Jean Rui, in a way, to be the actor. I don't remember any very well how it went. I do, but it doesn't really matter. No, it, 
So uh, it wasn't easy. And then we shot the film. I shot the film myself. It was made in in mini DV, mini DV. Mm -hmm. We say it mini DV. Um, and then it was transferred for into film. But at that time, transferring video into film was very expensive, and so it wasn't really transferred. What I did, we did, we, we shot the screen of a, a TV with a 35mm camera. And so <laughs> that transfer looks really crappy. Uh, but at that time also, the film went to Venice Film Festival. And at that time, video was not, uh, there was little, there was a lot of, especially experimental uh, filmmakers that were doing things in video. But like, I don't know, more, fiction films were not being made in, you know, on films so much and so um, in order the film to screen in Venice we had to have a 35 millimeter print so that's what we did we and we there, were, there was not those the scanning facilities that there are now or they were more expensive but it's, it was different also I don't I don't really understand very much about techniques but uh, so that's what you did. So basically in the end what we got was like this film that was shot in video then shot in 35 from a TV, TV screen. screen. So it added like the texture of film and texture of video. It was very funny because <laughs> it was a bit like some of the shots were are, are kind of light others are much darker so we had to shoot the film twice and um, with different exposures because we couldn't change the exp exposure during the during the shooting the actual shooting and so and then we had to edit <laughs> the the film again <laughs> and to put the, the, the shots like the be the better versions of the ones with the better versions of the others and uh, and so we got the 35 millimeter print yeah, and it went to Venice and got like a special mention for Nigeria, but it was it was kind of kind of big in in, in Portugal because it was probably like one of the first short films that actually actually how shall I put it that not many short films were done at the time. Yes, and that it was like the beginning of the, these all these sh short film movements because before people, directors, there were not so many. Film school had stopped for a while and so there were not so many new directors uh, uh, making films. And, uh, and usually directors, when they start, uh, start with, with making shorts by making shorts, because, yeah, for all reasons. And, um, and so, yeah, it was one of the first of those. Then there were, now there's a lot of shorts. Yeah, but then there was like almost like this movement that, that, that um, the media, especially like the uh, cinema cinema magazines and uh, critics called the um, uh, short film generation. And on that, on, on that short film generation, you had like, for example, Miguel Gomes was about to start. And... Um, because yeah. Miguel Gomes started after me, because after he, him, yeah. he started... And he made, he made several shorts. And they're difficult shorts, too. Were, were the shorts in that period typically as formally difficult as his, or...? What do you mean by difficult? Com like, um, complex. Uh, they don't prescribe their meaning easily. Uh, they were very personal, Miguel's, yeah. I think. And, I mean... I oh, you're know. talking about Miguel's one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. yeah. And I'm wondering if that was, like, endemic or, or re representative of maybe that movement. I think they are all very different from, mm. and we, the movement is like, it's movement, more, it's more like, like a technical thing yeah. than, yeah, than it, actually it's an not, artistic it's not, uh, movement, you know, it, it's what I was saying, what I was telling you about like by Portuguese, the, Portuguese cinema, I mean, of course, it's like, uh, almost like um, a political thing to talk about Portuguese cinema outside of Portugal, but in my opinion, the, like, there isn't a Portuguese cinema, there's cinema that is made in Portugal and it's very, very different from director yeah. to director. And by that time, my friends, I didn't know Miguel. 
yeah. or I knew Pedro Costa because yeah. I had worked when I, I came out of film school. I was his driver. He was finishing the, the editing of the film. He was preparing the, the print for of, of the, his first feature, Simon. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know if he didn't have a driver's license. I don't know. I had the driver's license for a very short time, and I had a small mini. And uh, he had he needed someone who would I don't know to get from one place to the other. And we had common friends from a teacher of us that, uh, for a yes, a teacher of his also, which is a director also called George Silva, George Silva Mel, that he put us in touch. And um, so that was also one of my first jobs in cinema after film school was that, was that driving Pedro Costa <laughs> and also putting, you know, nowadays as prints don't, you don't mix films with real prints or you don't, Back then, we, you mixed uh, the film with the uh, with, with the editing print, and so you had to make it to make double. I don't know how to say that in English. Double exposure. Don't know double. Yeah, there's the, the scotch. You have to double double scotch in in every in every cut. Oh. In order to be more resistant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, basically, that, you would cut the original. Yeah, yeah. And then you would tape it. Yeah, yeah. It's like it was cut. It was like scotch, yeah. like in a steam bag. Yeah. So it's, yeah, that it is the really regular like, thing. Like, like super right, and then, know, like cut, and then, thing, cut. And then we, you, and you it, had to make a double one on on one side and on the other side in order that not to fall apart the print. During and then the you had tiny bits of film all over the place, you know, hanging. Yeah, yeah, because when I started making film by that, I, start, I was an assistant editor for a long time. And I was editing, by that time we were editing on film, not on video. There was. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's the name. I don't even know the. Name. I don't. I'm very bad in te with uh, with techniques, so I, I don't know. I don't understand anything about computers. And uh, we, uh, yeah, there was no AVI, there was no Final Cut, there was nothing <coughs> like that. So after that, you went. Um, you wrote the script for um, Fantasma. Yes, I wrote the script for Fantasma with with a friend of mine, and. Then I, we started looking for actors at the same time we wrote the script. And uh, jean louis was also helping with that, looking for actors. That, and that was a tough one. Yeah. And because because they, I also want, they didn't want character. to work with actors. Yeah. And there was, there's not a single actor in that film. There's no actors. It's just people that we found after many, 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 we approached many, many people. and. Uh, yeah, and also that film was made with a very small crew. It was a film shot in 35, but I wanted to make a film. I don't know. I'm talking about my early work. Is it okay? Yeah, that's uh, fine. Okay. Um, I wanted to make a film because by that time, there's. I just talking about things that don't exist anymore. <laughs> um, it seems like <laughs> we are. I don't know. Jurassic Park. <laughs> No, not Jurassic Park. I feel it opposite. Yeah, I know, but I mean, nowadays those things don't exist anymore. It's like it's a bit like. Yes, that's what I, I mean. That's what I mean. Jurassic yeah. Park. Okay. Uh, so, uh, by that time, there was a film stock that was eight hundred ASA. You say ASA? Mm, I don't know. I'm sorry. It was, uh, no, okay, it was like the most sensitive. It was a Kodak film you stock. Could, you could actually film without, almost without no light. Yeah. It was, no, it, no, it was Kodak uh, yeah. 800 ASA. Eight, I don't know. Yes, 800 or 600 or something. No, it was 800. 800, okay. Uh, that I know. Uh, because then it finished. Uh, and and it, I, it, the idea of that film, because it's a film about darkness, the idea of that film was to make a film with no light and shot it at night, uh, shoot it at night, which was in a way a thing that doesn't make much sense. And um, and so uh, there was a because I wanted to shoot for a long time. I wanted to shoot. Uh, my idea of when I started making films is that I wanted to make films all by myself if I could not to have any other people because I, I'm, 
I'm still a very I'm a control freak and I, I I'm and I really control everything and I would if I could do everything myself I would do it. I'm but, happy that you actually admit that. Yeah. <laughs> I never said I I wasn't. Uh, and so I had this idea of a very small crew, so we were like it was a little bigger than my in my short because it was on film, so at least we had to have that's when when I met my my cinematographer, then I always worked with him afterwards. He's a Rui Posses, which is also Miguel's, Miguel's cinematographer. Um, and there was, of course, an assistant, but there was no lightning and no grips. There was no. There were, we just had one this one guy, an assistant uh, that took care of. We had like, I don't know, two projectors that we used sometimes, but we didn't have uh, power. So what we did. Most of the times we didn't shoot. We shot with no light. We just the light from from the yeah, streets. Yeah, we, we tested the lights. Yeah, we tested every every single place. Uh, we made tests before shooting in those places to, to see, see how, how it would yeah, come. The light would react. Uh, and uh, and sometimes we we we, we took uh, power from the poles, from the electrical poles. We asked like, yeah, and um, oh fuck. I'm sorry. It's my mother. <laughs> Can I just look at it again? So, Olá, mamã. Não, não estou a dormir. Estou aí no meio de uma entrevista. Eu posso ligar daqui. Está bem? Está tudo bem? Tá. Eu vou voltar hoje. Está bem? Beijinho. Deus. Not to reject her call. <laughs> Mother calling. Um, and so... Um, How many were we all together, including production? We were like ten. Yeah, all together. Yeah, and uh, also this idea of several people doing several jobs. And I always... I, I, it still happens with me. I can, I'm, I'm not that... I hate like chairs director's chair mm. I think it's the most stupid <laughs> thing there is and I refuse always because it's like I don't know how people why people come with that idea because you have to sit it and with your name there I, I never had that in my shooting set and I, I forbid that because I, I hate to be seated I never I've never seated and so but there was this idea of the film that uh, we had we made several things and for instance in that film Jean Rui was yeah, it was the first time. The first time I was like... It was like... Uh, yeah, I was art director, production designer, uh, yeah, uh, taking care of makeup and hair and... Uh, because there was something... He, he, took, he, took, he learned like some special effects yeah, things. Had, like, because there were like week, things with bruises week, and... Uh, Two-week uh, intensive course uh, special effects, uh, makeup things. So it was that idea of of working uh, with very little people around mm. and um, yeah but I mean it made sense that the film was completely dark and everything because it was basically about the garbage collector mm. and during the night so there was a purpose for the thing to be shot at night it wasn't just like a yeah you worked at an, night an and there was arty, and, yeah. and, the, and the, I don't know if you saw it but at the end he he disappears in darkness so in the end is as if he's like conquered by darkness I don't know if he melts into the darkness I yeah but say. it's like because he in the in the last part of the film he wears a black rubber suit and it's like he's not alive anymore he's just a black he's like the, a black spot, I don't know, it's like a yeah, black... Yeah. Uh, just not, yeah. And the camera doesn't follow, it, it stays static as he's receding right into that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I don't usually... Also because there was was also one of the the things, I didn't want to make travelings in that film. Mm -hmm. There's no travelings. There's just, there's just travelings when the people are inside the cars, um, cars or... <laughs> And there's not many of that of those, and they were made with from other cars, and we didn't, we didn't have rails. So 
Yeah. I, I thought this will be a, a jumping off point uh, that I didn't plan for, but I, I thought a lot about Fantomash. Fantomash, yeah. I was thinking of the cereal for a second. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, I thought of that when I was watching the last time I saw Macau, and maybe it's the fact that there is a travel. Like I felt like that was a film that had like a beginning and an end, and there was a the character traveled from one point to another, and it mm. concluded. And they also both seem to have kind of almost sci-fi qualities to them. Yeah. And there's yeah, a, I mean, the, the, the guy, is, it is. I mean, he's dressed as a superhero yeah. if you want to think about it. And in Fantoma or Les Vampires, mm. perhaps it's even better because. In, in Le Vampire, there's a character who's called Irma Vep, then after then Asai has made a film called Irma Vep. Uh, she's dressed in, in like this, I don't know, it's not rubber, it's because I think it's like tissue, I don't know. Yeah, but they walk tissue. on in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the roofs of Paris. Mm, yeah. and, uh, and there's this, it's kind of a serial, it's like an adventure film also. And uh, I always like... Also there's like these comics, these uh, French comics, Called uh, Le Diabolique, oh, yeah. which is also it's like French, isn't it? Isn't it Italian? Diabolique, Diabolique. Actually, I thought they were French. I don't know, but perhaps they're Italian. I don't know. Um, no, but I will. I like to think my films as adventure films mm -hmm. because there's a lot of things going on and characters have to experience a lot of things in order to arrive to other places. So everything is adventure. And, uh, There's a transformation. Like you said, he is kind of absorbed by the night, and all of the films kind of have that structure where there is a transformation that happens. Hmm. And usually it's for a character, and I think that's true for Last Time I Saw Macau, but it's also a place. The place is the character that's transforming as well. Perhaps in Ultima Vizcui Macau, perhaps it's more the place. Yeah that goes into mutation. Mm. Uh, I even like to use the word metam metamorphosis. Yeah. They, there's, I think there's, that is something that is like, in all my films, the idea of you have to turn into something else in order to, to, to change and to, and to, and in order to advance, I don't know how to really, how to say this. Um, and that's Fantasma is like that. Uh, in my second feature, there's this girl that turns into a, into a guy. That is, she's possessed by a guy. And my third feature, there's this old uh, transsexual, transsexual that doesn't want to change. And that's precisely that the drama of the film, of the of her drama. And um, yeah. in this. And again, the metamorphosis of the body and changes. Uh, that you, she reconstructs her own body in a way, and that is her doom in, the thing, in, some, in some sense. There seems to be a connection between Macau and uh, Dalek Man, where uh, uh, there's the performance at the beginning seems to carry over, and also I would say uh, the uh, the war element, or the war games. Mm. Yeah, definitely. But, like in uh, Ultimate Vish Vima Kao, Jean Peter starts with the war and then he goes into, like. I know, in, into Die Like a Man. You're yeah, saying. into Die Like a Man, he starts with the war and then he goes into the mm -hmm. drag. And the camouflage saying is like the beginning of makeup mm -hmm, yeah. that introduces like the whole drag world. And I suppose in Ultimate Vish Vima Kao, is actually the other way around. Yeah. You start by a lip-syncing um, drag show or transistite show and then you go to this war which is actually a fake war and but yeah. it was programmed after when we started to shoot Ultimate Vesh Pimaco it wasn't programmed to be like that because this film wasn't really programmed to be actually it was the first film John Peter's first film that was not really like uh, it obsessively wasn't in, in, in the beginning, it wasn't scripted, it wasn't, uh, we had this... Well, we did have a script, but it was a script for a documentary, let's it, face it. Yeah, but it wasn't because, really a script. It well, was yeah, like ideas, we, these vague ideas of what but we... But we wrote something because we had to submit it to the jury to get money for it, you know, for, 
from yeah, the, we had to from write. the cinema institute. Mm. So we had to write, but we were really not very happy with what we. I mean, we basically we were writing things that we thought would be interesting. In order to get the money. In order to get the money, let's face it. Yeah, basically. You know, a bit of social crap and, you know, like Portuguese colonization of Macau, Macau before and after, that type of thing. That was nothing that really interested us, really. So that's why it was, in a way, I think we, or in a way, we dis or rediscovered the way of doing. Or I, I didn't want also how to put this. I my last shoot, the the two that like a man shoot was very very. There was a lot of trouble, like production trouble. There was a lot of. Uh, it was very stressful, and I. I, in a way, I wanted to do something that the was... the crew was very big, everyone involved. Uh, and wanted to do something that was lighter, with no constraints, with no so many restraints, like uh, timetable restraints. Yeah, schedule. schedules. Schedules. Those things. I wanted to be able to shoot. We shot by six... Uh, we shot during six months. It was impossible to do that uh, with a crew. Um, so among I mean divided in three in three times yes. the pre- previous three times during three years different moments and we, yeah we, we wanted to go back to some I don't know some kind of freedom in doing things I mean basically we were five yeah. if we take into consideration the a girl that helped us translating and um, scientific consultant that was we had an, an anthropologist anthropologist friend of ours that yeah. she had worked with I made two oh, documentaries he also made two documentaries after after my first chart I made yeah. two documentaries about this immigrant family mm. Portuguese family which are about to be released soon hopefully uh, and and um, so it was great I mean we were five so and uh, uh, we had like we had like these passes that the, the, the Chinese uh, cultural institute Macau gave us, so we had like this, this logistics support mm. from them. It's like so we were basically yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we were basically free to go almost everywhere, except casinos, because mm. if you wanted to shoot inside casinos, we would have to ask the Beijing central government mm. for that. Um, but then we didn't want to shoot inside casinos, so that was not. We shot inside. Yeah, we did, but I mean, we didn't shoot people gambling, and. Um, and then like specific temples and stuff, we had to ask for a special uh, permits. But but we were basically free, and um, yeah, and we were five, so yeah, we we would just carry things around, and yeah. Is this yeah. true for the the two shorts that preceded uh, Red Dawn and China China? Those are the smaller crews as well. Well, uh, Chinatown, I mean, Shina uh, Shina or China China, is, it's a bit different process actually. Because it's a total fiction. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and it was, it, it was shot in Super 16, so... Uh, that one started as, I mean, uh, I, wrote, uh, I wrote the script for that short, and then uh, I worked that script. Actually, I wrote the script for Jean Pedro, mm. for Jean Pedro to direct, to direct it. And then, um, then we reworked the script. It's Sorry, it's raining. Okay, cool. Um, and then Jean Pedro asked me to co-direct because he, he saw that I was so involved mm-hmm. in the whole process that he asked me to co-direct um, uh, Shina Shina. Um, the Red Dawn was different. The Red Dawn. I mean, we were already in Macau, and we were. Um, we were going one of the times we were in Lisbon. We were, we were going through the rushes that we, we that we shot about Red Dawn, and uh, we start thinking that it would be interesting to make like just a short film about that. About no, the red market. About the red market. Which is a market? Because it's a very specific thing, um, and and uh, and also I mean we wanted um, and we uh, we saw the. 
the images were so powerful we did not need any voiceover or, or whatsoever and then uh, as, as I, I think uh, we said that but I, I, I was reading Jane Russell's autobiography at the time because we were like preparing things for the, the last summer summer girl um, and yeah and one day we after um, after shooting like in the afternoon um, we got like the Pucci's and English newspapers and the headlines were like Jane Russell's dead, the lady from Macau just died and blah blah blah. And I mean we had um, Stanberg's Macau on our heads since ever and Jane Russell obviously. And uh, and I was and I was I was uh, just read the, uh, her autobiography where she says that she was basically meat for cinema. And and we and then we was watching the the, the the red dawn images and the idea of the red market the red market sorry the red market um, images and the idea of yeah of of flesh basically flesh and stuff so um yeah and so we decided to. Um, to do this thing, this documentary, but with these like these mermaids, viral mermaids going in, and because the idea was to to also, it, it, in a way, it helped. It was the first approach towards this new feature, yeah. and because it was a very hard film to put together mm -hmm. and to edit, and so it helped us, not, even if it's really different, but there are some even similar. There's there's one shot that appears in both both films, and also so, like the mermaid, although it's a different mermaid, but we got the mermaid. It's a different shot of the mermaid. Yeah, yeah. I thought I saw that, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and so it helped us in a way to approach the this uh, new film. Uh, so basically, uh, Red Dawn is something that came from the material we had uh, shot in Macau. And we still have like, two two shorts that I would really love to uh, to, uh, to to edit from the from the one hundred and fifty hours we have mm. of material. And, and place is really important. In all of, I'd say even China, China uh, Red Dawn, and, and Macau, obviously. Uh, and and I'm wondering how you approach representing it because there's that beginning pre-credit, pre I think, in, in China China, where there's the, the camera movement and the long, which is really nice, and, and, and then in Red Dawn, you don't really have a sense of where you are until the end, at least in my experience. I didn't really realize where it was located until the newspapers, mm -hmm. and, um, and then the new one is kind of adhering to travelogue, the tradition of the travelogue, and, and visually, how, how did you approach representing the, the spaces in each of those films? Uh, if you if you don't mind me saying so, uh, I, I suppose spaces are very important in every in every genre. Pedro's no, because if it, never genre Pedro's film, uh, I think Jean Pedro usually says that he likes to shoot places that he knows mm. or places that he like discovers, and uh, but, uh, space is very important. I think. There's a lot of even ideas or for the film that comes from places, and like Fantasma, going back to Fantasma, because it, in a way it's the the my my first shot also going back to that, which is called Parabéns, was shot in the apartment where I live. So and the apartment that was my grandmother's apartment. So it's a place that I knew since I was since I was born. So I have I'm haunted by places, and uh, what I when I'm writing scripts and when I'm writing ideas down, I suddenly one of those places comes and finds a, its own I don't know could you say place its own place in, inside yeah. of a story yeah. I don't know if you can say like like this. But um, and so Shinashina is set in a very specific place in Lisbon, which is like the most cosmopolitan place in Lisbon, which is basically a, 
square and the streets around. Yeah, and which is like, like the small Chinatown uh, plus gypsies plus plus Arabs. Indian town. <laughs> plus Arabs. Indian town. It's like. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful. It's really multicultural incredible. in a city that, as Lisbon, which is not very much. Uh, strangely. Strangely, or and there's a lot of people that came from from the, our ex colonies too. And it's funny because a lot of people are a lot of people are really scared of going there because it's, they think it's kind of confusing and uh, too many. And dangerous. Dangerous. And, and too many. There's also prostitution. And, so but it's a really but it's our favorite spot for you know to go buy sh um, uh, Asian food and you know like spices and stuff and uh, we absolutely although it's a really terrible, horrible architectural square, <laughs> um, but it's got some beauty on the ugliness I suppose. And and in this in in China, China uh, there's this idea the film those the first shots. We, we shot them ourselves yeah, uh, because the, the rest of the, the, the film after when the film film finish, uh, starts it's it was shot by uh, by Rui Posters by the yeah we had our, a film crew we had a film crew those two shots because we there's a moment when the lights go out in the castle that you yeah, see like the, in the in the in the hill overlooking that square that that we did ourselves for I mean I mean we, we went, went there, there every day for times. two had a, a one one week or more to get the right because uh, we needed to coordinate the the turning the off of the, the lights the, the, the panoramic of, of the, the castle and the public lightning and do the right things so I mean we were going there every day at five o'clock in the morning preparing everything and you know practice and practice. And we couldn't have we couldn't have done that with a crew waiting for us, you know. And yeah. uh, so uh, I think the idea from Shina Shina came from that place and also from music. Yes, I mean uh, we were like in Bangkok Film Festival, I think, when I heard this guy called Lee Home, uh, who who is actually like a, a Chinese American guy. He was born in New York and. He, he made this album uh, where he sings, um, he mixes um, rap music with uh, traditional Beijing opera, opera house um, music, right? And, and I thought it was so interesting that the guy couldn't speak the words in Mandarin, but he made like an old album in, in, in Mandarin. And also it's like, says I don't know I don't even know how many words per minute it's like something really and the whole story beyond that music is almost like um, Romeo and Juliet Chinese version type of thing and I absolutely it's a classical yeah, story uh, like it's from the Peony Pavilion the Peony Pavilion right and I absolutely fall in love with that and I fall in love with the idea of someone in New York um like second or third generation of immigrants in New York that don't, that don't even speak um, Mandarin but is making like um, a Chinese album with American rap music sung in Chinese and now he's a big star in China and the whole concept I mean the whole, the music for me was like really important because I wanted to have like to portray this like family of this girl that wants to escape from husband and family ties and Chinese hardcore strength and um, and also I wanted to introduce this um, this band from the 80s this Portuguese band from the 80s that I absolutely adore and that's the scene that she's jumping on the bed which is called Pop the Alert yeah, and they were Pop the Alert and friends of us yeah and they're friends of us yeah and so basically it was I mean I had these two musics and then yeah and then it was really important in the space. I mean, I really wanted to have like a traditional, um, a traditional Portuguese house, but contaminated by uh, Asian elements, mm -hmm. Chinese elements. And how do you, how, how does a, a different culture occupy a space that actually was designed for a different culture? Mm -hmm. Well, anyway. And then you know that we went back to um, places that João Pedro. No, his father. <laughs> 
uh, <laughs> places <laughs> which people don't know. So, uh, again, places uh, very, very close to our, um, very close to our, to, to our, uh, to our flight. Yeah. But with Macau, it's more exploratory. Or? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, because Macau is is going back to a place. Is Ronhui showing me a place that he had memories about? But it's it's a totally imaginary place, even for him, because memories change and you, the way you you see the place changes. And he saw it through the eyes, uh, through his eyes when he was a child. So in a way, it was trying to reconnect and to 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 reinvent those the, that 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 those those places that where he lived. I think I've been talking about. Macau to Schwabil for 20 years now and we were like I mean <laughs> we since ever we want to go there like on holidays as tourists and I really wanted to show him my Macau let's put it this way or at least at least the things I remember about Macau when I left 30 years ago mm. and um, and then we've been basically we've been postponing the whole thing I mean for one reason or the other we were like around we were in Japan here and there but we never got to Macau and we thought this was like the perfect well, I mean, we wanted to go there for the, the handover which is like yeah. when they the China yeah. got, yeah, got, Macau got Macau back and also there's this interesting interesting thing about Macau actually Macau is like the only Macau was not really a colony okay basically Macau was offered to the Portuguese it wasn't conquered by the Portuguese, so that was never, never Portuguese um, territory. It was always Chinese territory under Portuguese administration. Mm. Although during the dictatorship, they tried to reinvent story and make believe that it was like big conquer thing mm. to have Macau. But anyway, so um, as I think we've said this several times by now. Uh, that is not really a portrait of Macau or anything. That's why it's well, not it's, a documentary. It's a portrait of Macau, but it's yeah, but kind it's of our Macau. It's like it's like as if, if as if we are like re, um, re no reinventing this the space because yes. really reinventing the space because there are there are places and shots in the film that are not in Macau, mm. and so it's a it's a it's a city. Or it's a place in our construct, in a way. constructed with pieces of other places, mostly is Macau, but uh, yeah, some but some shots are shot in Lisbon, for example. Oh really? Yeah. And or in other places in China. So actually, in the end, in the credits, there's all the all the places, all where, the places we shot. where we shot. And so it's like an imaginary city. Is that uh, why it's kind of like it's a catastrophe film as well? Like it kind of. Uh, and also, we wanted to play with that idea of with catastrophe movies. Yeah, now there's, there's that so many films about the end of the world. Now, because of the so we want to be playful and you know do like this. Do do a catastrophe world uh, movie, but with a very uh, with a very short budget because <laughs> it's like we do catastrophe with really there's we, I changed the effort. The, the the exposure in the yeah in and the it's shots. very naive isn't it it's almost like those fifties <laughs> you know catastrophe movies and and then it's not really a catastrophe I mean in my opinion um, people don't really let die they basically transform themselves or some of them transform themselves in animals mm -hmm. which is kind of nice I think so it's not like I I, I always. When I start uh, before studying film, I wanted to be an ornithologist. So for me, birds, bird watching was always has been always uh, something that I I don't know that helps me face life in a way. I think so. The idea that you can turn into an animal, that you can turn into a bird, I think it's a nice idea. And and basically, I mean, I turn into a cat, black and white cat, which is like the black and white, exactly, it's a, an exact replica of our cat, the cat <laughs> that appears in Jean Bill's first short, Parabange. And actually, he died during uh, The Dialogue of Man, and the film is dedicated to Sonic, 
the cat. Mm -hmm. And 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 then that cat is actually a, a girl, and she, her name is Candy. <laughs> a real name. Like the, the real, real name, name of the cat is Candy. And we were shooting in Macau when we saw these bamboos written Candy. And yeah, and somehow the character name we start calling her Candy. And then we we went from Candy to Candy Darling, the, the superstar Andy Warhol sang. And yeah, and basically it was like we, we were having I don't know, perhaps this sounds a bit like I don't know, but we were basically having fun. Although it was very difficult the whole process, but we were basically having fun and I don't know what you think about it, but Yeah, and also there's that she's kind of, she's also called Cindy. Which is similar to yeah. Candy. And we absolutely adore her. She was in uh, To Die Like a Man. And she had like a small part. But she's such an incredible professional. And she's adorable, you know. And she. And I always missed in To Die Like a Man as I, I had this idea of never showing the performance. Uh, from the beginning because yeah. I, nev I never shot I never shot performances in the film. Uh, because I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to show that in, in the film. Um, I I was I, I always thought that regarding Cindy, the, it lacked because she's so wonderful on stage that uh, I had to work with her again in order to see her perform. Yeah, and uh, give her all her splendor over because she's got like this I don't know this old Hollywood aura type of thing. I don't know, there's like some, yeah. So um, we thought she would be perfect. And then, I mean, that, that scene was shot in, in Bourgeois with Rui Postas as the, as the cinematographer. And um, because it was the year of the tiger and we had all these tigers in the film, we really wanted to do the opening with the tiger, and then yeah, but the, and then the tigers were great, and we were so lucky that everything worked out so beautifully. And uh, you know, when she opened it, her arm, and then the tiger just go like, yeah. thanks, guys. Yeah. Cool.